I was working in a community healing center. And I noticed that 90% of my clients were in the social justice nonprofit <laughs> space. Wow. And most of the issues that we're working through in our sessions came from their experiences at work. This is Healing Justice, a podcast bridging conversations at the intersections of collective healing and social change. I'm your host, Kate Werning, and this week we are talking with Samia Abu Samra and EJ Uday of Turtle Tank. They are incredible teachers, and you'll hear me talk about the fact that I was in their incubator for a little over a year working on this project. They are truly leaders and guides and doulas and transformation accompaniers um, in helping us think about work differently. Um, They have a framework around sacred work and really rooting into indigenous practices of creativity and rest and integration of wisdom and working in a way that is um, sustainable and creative and co-dignifying. And for me, it was really transformative to learn with them about the ways in which we can make our systems of working very effective and uh, very sustainable and liberating in and of themselves. So this is a fantastic episode to listen to. Um, if you do work. So like, (laughs) I think that's probably you Um, to think about how you might transform your organization or your place of work, or even a soul enterprise. If you're like a teacher or creating a creative project on your own, the habits of capitalism and extractive ways of working run so, so deep. Um, We really need teachers like Samia and EJ to help us transform and uproot um, these ways of working and replacing them with something much more sustainable and beautiful. So the project they run is called Turtle Tank. It's a school for radical purpose, and they describe it as a radical modern-day mystery school where they ignite radical purpose, support the evolution of consciousness, and harness creative power to bring forth worlds of radical love and freedom. Their aim is to reintegrate old and new wisdom into practical tools to revolutionize all of our diseased human systems and evolve into worlds of even deeper balance. You can find them on their Instagram at Turtle Tank School, and you can also find their course that's open to the public via the link that is in our show notes or at tinyurl.com slash radical purpose. That's tinyurl.com slash radical purpose. So quick announcement before we dive in with Samia and EJ. We are also in the process of renaming the podcast. If you missed our announcement of that a few weeks ago, you can look at the episode called Help Us Rename Healing Justice Podcast. It's pretty literal. Um, And we want your feedback. We want to know what images come to mind um, when you think about this project and our shared mission here. You can let us know your feedback at healingjustice.org slash name. And we have a meeting of our advisory circle team coming up on August 2nd, where we'll be doing a deep dive again around the name. So sending your feedback before August 2nd, 2019 at healingjustice.org slash name. 
is greatly appreciated. And we love the opportunity to include your experience and vision and creativity in our renaming process. So let's tune in and listen to the incredible wisdom from Samia and EJ of Turtle Tank. As we dive in together, we'd just love to invite you all to say a word about who you are. Yeah. So I'll start. I'm EJ, EJ Uday. I'm from Nigeria, born and raised, came to this country to go to school, and I haven't left. Um, I have a teenage son, live in Brooklyn right now. I um, came to the work of Turtle Tank, really started out as, actually I started out at a teen clinic and worked there for two years. And after almost every day getting reports of like people, the kids sharing like their histories with me of being abused by family members, by coaches, by teachers, Mm -hmm. that's what got me into organizing work and really doing like gender um, violence work. And, um, and while I was doing that work, met a lot of great people, was part of great organizations, and I was burnt out three times in the course of like 20 years. And um, burnt out to the point where sometimes I couldn't even move or get out of bed. And so I started to look at what's going on here, you know, um, with how we're working and really starting to understand, you know, I had an understanding of trauma and how it impacted us individually, but having those lived experiences of how it impacts us collectively and impacts us as we're doing our movement work mm-hmm. was what really led to to the work that I, I bring to Turtle Tank around how can we how can we do it differently and like take care of ourselves in the process of creating the worlds we want to live in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I have a lot of parallels with EJ as well. I'm um, also a as I call it, zero-generation immigrant, mm. um, uh, queer, and I'm from uh, Lebanon by um, culturally, and I also grew up in Saudi Arabia, Arabia in, in a slightly more conservative environment, but I kind of stood out a little bit as a thorn in everyone's side, <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> but um, a big, I, I also I come from a, a history and a lineage of. Um, of you know leftist socialist um, political you know um, organizers, mm. and um, in 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 a third I guess third world context or whatever you want to call it the the you know uh, a non non Western context, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, where where art, politic, um, and uh, and uh, family and community and, you know, healing, we're all one and the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I just very recently started talking about this because partly because I just growing up where I grew up, some of those things would were, were dangerous to share. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now that I'm a little bit older and my parents have moved back to Lebanon and all of that, I have a little more l- leverage with some of this stuff and talk about some of this stuff. And anyway, all that to say... You know, I have roots in that, and then I, when I came here, I was taken in by really um, uh, queer um, women of color, primarily, mm-hmm. um, and predominantly black women, who were doing a work at the intersection of indigenous um, frameworks, healing, um, organizing, and, um, and the arts mm-hmm. at the time. And, you know, I'm a, a child of... Uh, as my mentor says, a few mothers, <laughs> you know, I have a, she's like, you have a few mothers. Mm-hmm. It's true, I do. And uh, 
that's where, you know, I started doing some of that work. And then one day I got called um, through dreams and through, you know, other forms of things that came up. <laughs> we can talk other more ways about we get called. other ways we get called <laughs> to, um, uh, to understand, to understand the economic environment that we were living in mm-hmm. from a economics and entrepreneurial standpoint. And I was kind of this kind of anti-capitalist young kid. And I was like, wait, what? What do you mean? What do you mean I have to do? What is that? Mm-hmm. And so that's what generated then the, the marriage of all of those things. Plus, you know, what is what are those, you know, those areas whose contribution to entrepreneurship um, and beyond social entrepreneurship, but radical? What is radical entrepreneurship and the relationship with, you know, activism, organizing, healing uh, the arts as a, you know, collective body mm-hmm. of uh, disciplines that we you know, that to me are one and the same thing when you, mm. when you're rooted in your creative power, you know? And so that's, you know, I'm first and foremost an artist. And then the rest of it is what comes out when I'm creating from that place, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. yeah, that's it. <laughs> I, I want to ask about this word entrepreneurship because you were just talking about something before we hit record that I was, that was kind of blowing my mind. And, um, Thinking about in Turtle Tank, like the people who come, a lot of folks who, and this is true of a lot of our listeners, a lot of people who like are in activism or organizing or political work in a very like traditional pragmatic sense, Mm. and then experience burnout or experience harm in varieties of ways Mm. and tap out and go more into the like healing entrepreneurial space. Mm -hmm. And, um... I think there's something about that word that I'm not like fully appreciating the depth of Mm. because as an organizer, there's a little bit of me and as somebody who's like observing like the white woman wellness entrepreneur thing that's happening, like, like it's not that interesting to me and not useful from a movement perspective for like everybody to like drop out and start their own healing business. Absolutely. Um, But there's something about the way that you all talk about this idea of entrepreneurship that feels more communal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so can you just talk about what that is? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. you want to start kind of just because you talk a, lo- a lot. I like the way you talk about like the history of the, like the meaning of right. the word entrepreneurship and like what mm. it's really rooted in. You know, the, the roots of, of the history of entrepreneurship is, is and, and it's really in juxtaposition to economics because it's rooted in small business and the idea that we run our, our economic infrastructure, our local economic infrastructure. So, you know, just like the, um, you know, the Western economic framework brings in all sorts of different, whatever it it deems useful for its purposes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, you know, leftist economic, you know, frameworks are included in the, in the canon, right? But what's interesting about entrepreneurship is, again, the, the root of the word is to, um, uh, is a French word, is entreprendre, to undertake. So to take something from under, right? Or, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, or take like a grass, it's like a grassroots, a grassroots approach. Right. Mm-hmm. Or to, 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 come in to take, yeah, yeah. to take matters into our own hands mm-hmm. is the way I interpret that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's an undertaking. Mm-hmm. And um, the way we think of enterprise is really, to me, it's just another word for a community with a collective mission, you know, that also is concerned with the financial health of that and the gifts of that organization, the financial health of that organization within and alongside the system of capitalism that we, that we you know, live with, you know. <laughs> and so it's taking that into account 
Um, and how do we, I think what you were talking about is directly related to this, because how do we continue to be sustainable in our work also has to include that conversation of, yeah, there are certain things that aren't going to change tomorrow. So how do we, how do we work, you know, how do we stay alive long enough to see our work, you know, flourish in such a way that it, it has the kind of impact that we want it to have. And so if we don't take care of our financial and physical and emotional health and, and spiritual health and communal health. And to me, the, the idea of an enterprise, it's what we call a turtle tank, a, 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 a system of holistic relationships, mm. right? And so we're looking at everything that could possibly contribute to that, including the financial aspect, without having to beg for grants and, you know, and yeah. so, you know, and there's all sorts of, yeah, go ahead, EJ. Well, I'm just like saying that something that also gets left out of that is the relationship with yourself. Right. You know, like we're quick to talk about relationship with other people and the community and that. But for us at Turtle Tank, too, it really starts with your relationship with yourself and also including that in the equation of how you're how you're taking matters into your own hands and your, mm. your undertakings. Yeah. Mm. And EJ, I want you to talk more about, you know, the the idea of the, the way of working, because part of what what drew me to um, entrepreneurship was um, the idea um, some of the the tools that are used in sustaining an enterprise long term are extremely beneficial you know for for the uh, transferable skills that can be used in organizing spaces <laughs> vice and vice versa hmm. you know so I think there's a conversation there but anyway we're talking about you know what what struck I don't know if we can transition into this but what struck me about EJ's work was the investigation of, she named something I was doing, but this is the investigation of the way that we work, and you were talking about this earlier, um, is we're, in, we're investigating the, the means through which we achieve the ends, mm -hmm. right? And those have to be, as we were saying earlier, the juxtaposition of working from love rather than working for love or, mm -hmm. you know, fighting from love rather than fighting for love mm -hmm. or love and freedom or whatever it is that we mm -hmm. call. So what are loving infrastructures mm -hmm. that, you know, inherently by virtue of being loving, birth loving worlds, you know, and that's what we're, you know, is that's what EJ's work is so brilliantly about, you know, when I, when mm -hmm. we first met, cause I have, I have a piece of that, mm -hmm. you know, around the anchoring in oneself, but she comes up with, the ecosystem that that actually helps maintain and the infrastructure that helps maintain that 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 anchor mm. right and so we kind of work that way together so uh, you know we can talk about that i don't know if you want to mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. that's the the next you know yeah. big thing yeah yeah i mean i think that um that's part of what i learned through my burnouts you know i think i and I was kind of, when I first started out, when I was doing organizing work, I felt like I was in two different worlds. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I would go, you know, be at my my nonprofit job and go to meetings after. And then on the weekends, I would go to these healing, you know, mm -hmm. spiritual spaces where I maybe be one of the only like people of color, one of the only black people in the space. And it felt like those two worlds were very separate. And it was like, I couldn't bring like the political conversations I was having into those right. spaces. <laughs> and then I couldn't bring in the spiritual, like, you know, awakenings or insights I was getting into like radical spaces. So it just felt very like those were two separate world and I was going to the the healing spaces to like heal myself so that I could 
you know, show up, show up better, you know? Yeah. And so I think that um, I, I, I realized that I was kind of going through and I, I thought that, oh, I, I, I struggled with chronic depression, had to be hospitalized, was in the psych ward when I was in my 20s. And that kind of just taught me, like, I just saw it as like an individual thing. Like, okay, this is my problem. I need to like heal my trauma that's at the root of that and let me go mm -hmm. do this. Mm -hmm. And, but there was something about like, it wasn't just an emotional healing that needed to happen. And so that's part of what also the political spaces I was part of also fed in terms of understanding like, oh wait, this isn't just like an individual thing. Like there's something defective in me that makes me so sensitive that I'm, mm -hmm. I'm depressed. It was real. I realized what I'm calling depression is really just the impact of living in this like unjust world that is not okay. Mm -hmm. And we're acting like it is. Mm -hmm. And so. Including the spaces like, you were in that were recreating. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so it, it, so this conversation brings up a lot for me because I think for a long while I thought it was just me and mm -hmm. I was in radical spaces and kept feeling like, okay, you know, there's something that isn't quite right about the way that we're working and I'm trying to like speak to it in these different ways and I keep getting shut down. And I keep getting told that like, you know, I'm not leftist enough or I don't get it or I need to read some more marks and blah, blah, blah. And so, so I was like, but I would buy into that and be like, okay, maybe there is something that I don't know and let me go figure that out. And let me actually just take myself out of this, my, my, my issues out of this space and go get my healing somewhere else. And um, it wasn't until I realized, like it took me three times like burning out to realize like, wait, no, this isn't just me. And, um, and in that time, like I had conversations with other people. So there's an organization I work for that was, you know, one of the like put on the pedestals, like all the funders love them. Everyone was always like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. That's where you work, wow, wow, wow. And I was, it was a really challenging period for me to work there. Um, but it was also really growth filled. I really believed in the mission and the work of this organization. And so I stuck it out all the while trying to fix myself to step up, to prove I was like radical enough to be there and to, to fix myself so I could show up even more fiercely. You know, people love fierce <laughs> in the activist spaces like be fierce. And so, um, and very, so. <laughs> very like monotone way, like that's not how everybody, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and so um, I, so when I when I, I got called, this organization was having a 10 year anniversary. I got called to be interviewed as part of the, the ceremony. So one of the staff members who was interviewing me started asking me about my experience and to be really candid about it. So I was, and I talked about what was great about it, but I also talked about what was challenging. And they turned the camera off and they're like, wait a second. They're like, I thought it was just me. They're like, you know, all that stuff is still happening in the organization. And I was like, really? And you know, we just had this whole conversation. And then they were like, I want you to talk to so and so who was another staff member who had left a couple years before and we just all started realizing that we had really similar experiences where we were trying to like speak to the leadership speak from our experience this is an organization that said they they valued survivors and they wanted to promote survivor-led led leadership and so they want to hear our perspective they want us to bring that in but each time that we would try to would get shut down in a particular way that was kind of sh that shamed us you know and we kept thinking that was us and we just didn't understand enough and we didn't just get get it enough and that these were people who spoke the right you know they talked the right talk and so it was really easy to defer to them and kind of shut down what internally we were feeling was a little bit off and needed to be shifted in the organization and so a couple months later, I start my year-long internship because I went to school and studied to be a therapist. And so I had a year-long practicum where I was working in a community healing center. 
And I noticed that 90% of my clients were in the social justice nonprofit space. (laughs) And most of the issues that we're working through in our sessions came from their experiences at work, Mm -hmm. came from their experiences Mm -hmm. with their supervisor, with their fellow organizers, with this thing of like, you know, them burning out, not listening to their own boundaries, like overworking, feeling like they were they were being like shamed, you know, for wanting to take a break or, you know, like not having or or that they were they their voices weren't really valued and that they you know they kept getting shut down and so they were kind of going along with agendas that they knew like oh something's a little off here but they felt that's what they needed to do and they were sacrificing themselves because of the mission of the organization and what you know what they believed in and so that's when I really realized like wait a second I've been holding this like this is me and this is something I did wrong and I I just didn't figure out how to be like the super organizer and I realized that no there's something internally going on with how we're organizing that some people can talk about really well and put language to it and talk about collective trauma and how it impacts our organizations but then it doesn't actually translate in how they run their organizations mm. and i think part of what happens is especially with organizations that get put on a pedestal there's no space for them to go to be like hey this is our vision but we don't actually know how to translate it like mm. there's no space to actually share what they're really struggling with and that's part of what the whole funding like depend being dependent on funders does it is like it doesn't really allow you to ask for the help that you need because you're constantly performing and Mm. talking about what you're doing right and kind of blowing up numbers just to to get the next you know and not really able to say like wait actually we're struggling we have this idea but we don't actually know how to translate it or put it into action and when i saw that the impact that was having was like it i i know how it impacted my health Mm. but i didn't realize how many other people were really being impacted in this really deep way Mm. and then walking around thinking that it was them that it was their individual problem that they needed to fix And so that, I mean, you can tell like how I'm talking about this is it's like it really like it really just shifted something for me. Mm. And, you know, of course, that's what we bring to Turtle Tank is both this idea of there's more than one way to be radical, Mm. you know, and it it doesn't it doesn't just mean like you're on the protest line or you're like such and such like lead organizer from here. Like they're like it's it's being radical isn't about your role. It's about how you're showing up in the world, like how you're treating yourself and then how you're treating other people. And then especially how you treat other people when they disagree with you Mm. or when they don't want to follow your agenda Mm -hmm. you know and so so i think that that's when the question of like okay are we really working from love and freedom and then is that showing up in how we're treating each other or are we thinking that we can sacrifice each other and sacrifice Mm -hmm. our well-being for okay well we'll deal with all that when we get to the promised land and it's just like that's really a lot of the mindset that people bring that has really like that's at the root of of Mm. where our where our movements are falling short Yeah. And so, yeah. so yeah, so that that was a big question for me. And it, I think, and also I was able to see myself in, you know, in the leaders of my organizations of realizing like, that's such a human thing. Like we all do it. We mm-hmm. all, we mm-hmm. all say what we want, yeah. but then we wake up and we're like, mm, I'm going to snooze, <laughs> I'm going to take another <laughs> nap, or oh, I'm just going to have, a, you know, like we all do yeah. that. Yeah. And so like, can we just talk about it and just acknowledge that it happens yeah. and that we don't know 
you know exactly what this is going to look like. This is the right. vision we have, but right. we don't know. And we're going to make mistakes. Right. And in order to correct those mistakes, we need to we need everyone's voice involved. Everyone's voice needs to be heard and needs to be heard with equal weight. Right. Mm-hmm. Not just you up here because you're the ED mm-hmm. or you up here because you're so articulate. Right. You know, right, right, what about right. the person who isn't articulate or hasn't read Marx or, you know, whatever, isn't using the right jargon? Like, are you going to listen to them, actually hear what they're saying and value it enough to use it? Because that's how we're going to get at the, the answers that we can't figure out on our own. And we're not going to be able to figure out doing the usual stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, so yeah. Yeah, so this way of like how we're working is really important to me right because that's that's the only way we're gonna figure this out right hmm. and there's a way in which it's it's moving away from abstraction you know and into concrete so you know such and such sets purple the other person calls it pink who cares you know what I really care is what do you what do you mean by purple you know let me let me understand what you're saying here um, and that's why when you're asking about entrepreneurship, like to me, mm-hmm. I'm an activist in everything that I do, right? But I don't identify with the word activist because, you know, I don't know specifically. And there are, obviously there are gradations and different, you know, relationships. But <clears throat> I think what's what's interesting about um, Turtle Tank is that we understand that we don't know, mm-hmm. you know, and we're committed to that as a practice mm-hmm. and as a daily practice. And we both will tell you, we both have control issues, you know, but we all have control issues. We have to admit that, mm. you know, we all want to, you know, we talk about Turtle Tank as a radical mystery school uh, mm. for, you know, and, and mystery in the ancient sense of mystery, because we, we bring in ancient um, knowledge from traditions, either we're initiated into or trained with or mentors that we work with or communities that we work with, mm-hmm. uh, with, you know, um, their blessing and their work and, and, and honoring the lineage. And uh, we're, we're bridging some of the, the current, you know, um, uh, work that's happening into kind of practical mm-hmm tools, practical frameworks to be able to address some of this stuff. So one of the big kind of foundations of indigenous thought is, you know, you're working with, you're co-creating with the mystery. So the moment you pre, predetermine or overdetermine something, you've killed it. Yeah. Not in the good way, because you can kill it from the dream, the dream land into the reality, <laughs> but you've killed it, uh, you've limited its potential. Mm. You've restricted it. Now, it could be successful, but you've restricted it. Right. And so we're working with, and I was telling EJ this the other day, I was like, you know, our staff or people, whoever, I don't like to call it staff, you know, don't like to call my, my folks staff because they're collaborators and they actually don't work for us. <laughs> they work with us. Uh, we don't actually have employees per se. Mm-hmm. And uh, we don't have that structure, even though, again, and this is where people get caught up, we're a for-profit mm-hmm. and an S corporation, mm-hmm. right? Um, and you know, we, you know, we're, I think sometimes it can be more radical than a, than a nonprofit and or a co-op, you know, <laughs> in terms of how we actually work. So the inf- the legal infrastructure doesn't tell me, mm-hmm. you know, what, you, what you're really doing, mm-hmm. you know, because we have in our bylaws and in our culture, what it is that, how it is that we work that may not need to be reflected in the, the S-Corp bylaws, you know, to, you know, to you know anyway um, I'm, i know oh, you, you we, wanna... we're scheduled we're going back no no i just i wanted to like add to that because i think Tell that me. structure piece is so important because especially you know when you're saying like we don't know i think a lot of like 
radical organizations are built on the premise that we do know the way to get there and this is how to do it. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, and sometimes they, it's like arguing about what's the right structure. And I've been in organizations where it's been, you know, non-hierarchical and that's, yeah. that's the structure of it. And, you know, it's all, it's all POC and like, it's, it's like, okay, we're all in this and we're all clear about where we're going. And this is the structure that's going to hold us, but it doesn't really, even in those spaces, I didn't feel like everyone's voice was really heard or valued because even if, if the structure is there, but the ways of being are still the same, mm-hmm. that's not going to change. Like I still also find myself like, shrinking back on what I had or if someone who had been there longer or who was like a better speaker disagree with me, I'll be like, oh, maybe I don't know. Right. And so there are ways where we think our structure is going to protect us right. or somehow like the structure is what makes you radical when really it's really about, well, what is the space that's created and does everyone's voice does everyone's voice come forward and right. you know and allowing for so our focus is less so on structures mm-hmm. and more so on frameworks that help establish emerging structures that you know respond to the moment mm-hmm. right and so you know you have obviously the 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 um one of adrian marie brown's newest books around emergent strategy which is pretty popular um and what we teach we call it this it's the same it's very very similar <laughs> and we you know um i was like you know, cut from the same cloth in different ways but we call it strategic being right mm-hmm. and so the idea that you don't know and what we're creating is the conditions to know mm-hmm. right and so we create ecosystems to know and our our even our structure with the two you know the the, the people that we have now a team of three to four you know that we're working together right now um we're constantly re reestablishing our structures and our you know based on our framework mm-hmm. and where we are I mean like okay now we're here so I guess you need to do this and I need to do this instead of you know these kind of rigid ways of working well I mean I think know? another thing that comes into play with that is the desire piece right you know so that we, we talked about yeah and you know because people think that oh you just need to answer that desire question once okay you get clear about what you want that's what you want okay this is how we're gonna do it right <laughs> but that desire piece is constantly unfolding because there's so many layers to peel like there's so many yes. like layers that you can put on top to disconnect us exactly. from our desire right so you may be like oh yeah no this is what I want to do and then as you're doing that you realize like oh wait this is really about me like performing and me thinking i need to do this and then as you're doing it you realize oh i'm ready to peel that layer off then Mm. you peel it and you realize oh what you did what you want is actually shifted and changed and so can we be in communities and spaces and organizations that can hold us in that Mm. shifting Uh, and like emerging desire and then actually like shift with us right as opposed to like pointing the finger and feeling like oh you're betraying us or you've betrayed the cause or feel like people need to stay in their particular roles even as they're beginning to evolve and change. And it's uncomfortable. And so, yeah. It's uncomfortable because we want, we were like, t- you know, I, I was telling you this earlier, people come to us and like, tell me what to do. I'm like, <laughs> that's the opposite of freedom. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to tell you what to do. You have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, however, that doesn't mean that it's chaos. Mm-hmm. Right. So what do we then anchor in and instead? And that's you what, have to do it alone. Exactly. So what do we anchor in instead? And that's what we teach. So the, the, the framework, and if I can introduce yeah, that, yeah. and it's completely rooted in desire, because I, we believe that at Turtle Tank, both of us believe that desire is our inherent connection to 
the, whatever you want to call it, the realm of potentiality, the realm of ideas, the soul, I don't care. The big thing that we don't understand, you know, our, you know, our, the, the thing that's bigger than us um, collectively and that is us at the same time, um, the, you know, we're, we're talking about three components. One is, first of all, you have to anchor in your personal desire, aka your purpose. We call, why are you here? Mm-hmm. You have a reason to, for being here singly and collectively, <laughs> but also for yourself individually. Right, so that's another piece. Not sacrificing the individual for the collective. There is no no collective without the individual, mm-hmm. you know. And that's part of what, some of the thinking that's also shifting now. So the first element is, you know, anchoring in purpose. And what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and not a rigid purpose. In the way we use it, it's a constantly emerging purpose. You constructing this compass that redirects you, and it's a practice. Right. And the other two pieces are what we call fire and flow. So fire is the realm of inspiration. You know, yeah, and because we don't live in a world that's going to inspire us. Right. We live in a world that's inspiring, like, here, bring right. the change. Like, right. it's doing the opposite. Exactly. And so how do we create that for ourselves? And then flow, which is what EJ does. I'm more in the fire space and EJ is more in the flow space. So what is flow? Uh, how would you describe flow? It's really about how do we move through those processes, like the, the spiral of, like, learning that we're, we're engaged in and how are you able to, like not get stuck in one place or kind of like resist the change that's like coming, but just be be able to move through it and have like create. I heard this quote like years ago that really just struck me. It was talking about people don't fail, their environments fail them. And so recognizing like, okay, how do we build build environments that are going to support us in fulfilling our purpose? Right. You know, so who are the people we need to be around and the resources we can tap into and the right. habits and the practices that are going to keep us like re-anchored in our why so that that doesn't get co-opted by like the world around us, even, even by radical folks who are well-meaning, exactly. but who also may like detract us from like what right. what our version of, right. of contribution is, is meant to be. And one big part that you and I've talked about when we when we first got together as a team was that the work in and of itself is your healing work. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So if you just shift that towards that perspective, say, okay, the work that I'm doing is my healing, what does that mean? Yeah. How do I have to how do I do things then if yeah. that's the case? Because you know, the way we do the way we the emergence <laughs> of of those new ideas and the creative ways that we're doing things mm-hmm. is coming from us investigating the places of tension in ourselves yeah. in our team and having the struggle like right? where you're like oh and, what's you know, going on here yeah exactly and Egypt takes us through a process called the inner launch where we look at mm-hmm. our shit mm-hmm. what are we dealing with right now yeah you know? i mean you and like yeah. and personally and and what Part of us is trying to be healed in the process of launching this new thing that we're yeah. doing and or creating this new like movement or this new idea or exactly. this new project or because it's about us first and foremost in that sense, you know, and if we're not and then when we launch it, we call it the ritual because everything about that thing starts screaming at us yeah. and we have to deal with it. And we have to we have to deal with it in our relationship. We have to deal with it in our families, in our community. We start it starts to come out, yeah. you know, I, you know, go through dark nights of the soul, you know, yeah. <laughs> with it. And then in the dark night of the soul of that work is where the ideas come from yeah. and where the new, like, infrastructure, what's coming, 
next shows up yeah. for us. You know, and you so begin it's a very to see the process. purpose. You begin to see the purpose of the struggle. Right. And I think some, you know, before I really understood that cycle of like what happens, I used to think the struggle was showing up because it was like, see, you're not really up to it. You you thought you were gonna do what? You know, I thought that's what the struggle was showing up. For. Mm -hmm. And then when I realized like, oh, wait, no, the struggle showing up because it's what's going to help me develop or heal whatever I need to heal to take that next step. Okay. And I think that, you know, that's what that's what I wish what I my wish for like our, our organizations and, you know, that are doing radical work is that we realize like the struggle is inevitable. You know, there's there's actually a consultant who was like doing consulting work in like nonprofits for like over 25 years. And he came up with the term, he calls it the nonprofit paradox, where he's like, usually the very thing yes. that is in the organization's mission is what is going to destroy them internally. It's yeah. what's going to show up internally. That's, and it made complete what? sense because it's the like, self. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, I was like, that's why, Oh, I was at a, you know, like a, a gender violence organization and no one was saying anything about the violence that was happening within like staff members. Or I was an organization that like support survivor leadership yet they were squelching you know everyone's like leadership internally and so but it's saying that well that's exactly what's going to happen the minute right, so you, you declare aware. what your vision is and kind of your desire for the world then of course immediately what's going to show up is all the behaviors mm. that are going to get in the way of that and they're showing up not to be not to be discouraging, but actually to prepare so, you for that. And it. so I wish our organizations could use those internal struggles that are happening, like right. not have to deny them or push them to the side or blame the individual, but really take responsibility for them and realize like this is part of the work. Exactly. This stuff showing up is not something that we're going to fix once we've like reached our goal. Right. It's actually something we need to fix in order to reach our goal. Like we mm. need to figure this out. Right. And that that's 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 the, the purpose or the opportunity that could happen if we were willing to have these conversations internally. Exactly. And mm -hmm. I think that one of the things that, that gets in the way of that is um, this idea of like safe space. You know, we we're talking about like call out culture earlier mm -hmm. and just how there's this idea of like, okay, well, let me just find, once I find a group of people who thinks, and you know, enough, like similarly enough with me and we, we look enough alike and we're, we identify as part of the same communities, I'm gonna be safe. And that safety means they're never gonna disagree with me. We're always gonna be on the same page on everything. And so anytime a little bit of like that conflict begins to show up, it's like, we don't know how to deal with it. And we kind of like shut it down. And so, those are the those are the kind of like conversations that are going to reveal the how we're going to like take the next step and figure it out, you yeah. know, because there is no blueprint, there is no book. Like we can get, you know, inspiration and advice from like the past, but we're in a new moment and we need to be able to respond to it with each mm -hmm. other and use the struggles that are coming up to mm -hmm. help us figure out the next step. Right. Otherwise mm -hmm. we're recreating, you know, unfit structures that maybe worked in the 1980s but don't work here yeah. you know yeah. and that's you know that's a big part of it but um i think the the piece around um the i think i think our understanding of com conflict is is I think there's a deepening in that now in, in some yeah. of the communities that we're you know yeah. speaking to and people are starting to become aware of it and there's still a lack of maturity in terms of understanding. And I mean maturity, I don't mean people are stupid. I just mean we're not mature. We haven't matured as a society around the, the concept of conflict. And when even being able to sit in disagreement, mm -hmm. you know, uh, without 
either person feeling shut down. Yeah, right? or feeling I think like sometimes now they're on opposite sides. Exactly. So sometimes you know we we these things have come up in in our spaces in Turtle Tank, you know. And um, as a leader, I might disagree with you, you know. But just because I'm a leader doesn't mean my disagreement means more mm-hmm. than anyone else's. It just means I'm personally disagreeing right now. <laughs> <laughs> with what it is that this person is saying, you know, and there's a, there are two roles that I'm playing as a facilitator and then also as a as a human being, and I'm not erasing that mm-hmm. part of myself, and that really sometimes destabilizes people, you know, because <laughs> the, the 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 again the, there's a ba- very base understanding of like, well, you have to when I call you out, you have to agree with what I'm calling you out on. It's like, well, maybe you're not seeing, maybe you're not asking me what I think, you know, approaching me curiously. You know, so there's something, there's, um, there is responsibility on all ends for all of us to be in our power mm-hmm. and for all of us to be able to sit with, well, I said this, well, I don't agree. <gasps> oh my God, you know, you know, and then, but you have to listen to me because I'm your student and, and this is your community and you have to, you know, I have to you know, get my point across and I'm like, well, I just don't agree and that's okay. Maybe you don't agree with me. That's good. Can we sit with that for a moment? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's very hard. That's mm-hmm. harder even than conflict resolution yeah. and all these other things that people go through. Being able to sit, with just, and EJ and I would sit together. Remember, we have those moments where EJ would be like, I think we should do this. I'm like, no, I think we should do this. And fine, we're just going to sit with the fact that we disagree for the next three weeks until it gets resolved. But what happens yeah. <laughs> you know, in that moment is we we're working towards understanding each other. And what emerges out of that is so unbelievably different. than what either of us had imagined and so much more whole and so much more beautiful. And I'm like, oh, wait, that serves both of our desires are underneath, you know, underneath what we were thinking they were going to look like. We talk about this in Turtle Tank, the difference between object of desire and desire, Mm -hmm. right? So object of desire, right? The object of desires are like carrots, you know, (laughs) and carrots are good. There's nothing wrong with object of desire. Um... And the, the, the desire is what's underneath, is the driving force that's underneath that. So, you know, we talk about we have a little turtle <laughs> that, that wants, you know, um, sugar cubes because it wants, you know, it wants sugar cubes. And so we call the sugar cubes the object of desire. It's like when you ask the turtle what it really wants, it goes, I want something sweet, right? Mm-hmm. And if it can anchor in wanting something sweet yeah. rather Why? than being being adamant that the way it's going to get that sweetness is through these sugar cubes what that opens up for it is the possibility to get sweetness from you know manuka honey you know what i mean (laughs) that's going to heal some gut wound that it has you know what i'm saying and so the the anchoring in desire is not just this like what you're talking about these peripheral you know um um let's let's focus on desire and be in desire but really let's use desire as strategy yeah you know, because it is our source of power. It yeah. is our source of, of uh, is it our drive. It's our creative source. It's all these different things. And, and true deep it's desire. It's our attention to something important. Ex- exactly. Yeah. And peeling into deeper and deeper desire. Where does it, and underneath yeah. all of that, we and all want love. And there's this myth desire is individual. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's like. It's ancestral. It's ancestral, you know. Like, we're just now, like, science is just now catching up to be like, oh, yeah, generational trauma does happen and it does get passed on. And it's like, well, if that gets passed on, then the resilience also gets passed on. And I think desire is one of the the ways that that resilience gets passed on generationally. Mm, And so 
I think that that's also another reason why people are not always keen on like listening to their desire because they feel like, oh, well, I'm just going to be selfish and, and, you know, individualistic and and not really realizing like, no, there's a reason why, why that desire is coming up and it's pointing you to something important and something that's calling your attention. Hey, y'all, it's Kate. I'm just dropping in for a moment in the middle of this incredible conversation to remind you about a really cool way to get engaged with the podcast um, beyond listening. We have a book club that you can learn more about at healingjustice.org slash book club. And right now we are in our final few weeks of reading Pleasure Activism by Adrienne Marie Brown. If you go back to the episode 36 on the podcast, you can hear us talking with Adrian and Amita Swadheen, who is one of the contributors to Pleasure Activism, about the book and about the role of pleasure in our work. Um, for me, it has been an incredible book to read. If you've listened to recent episodes, you heard um, a poem sent in by a listener, David J. Uh, members of the book club are organizing on the kind of book club message board in our Patreon and meeting up on blankets by the river to read together, having each other over to their homes to drink wine and talk about the book. And for members of book club, we've shared a discussion guide um, when you join the Patreon that you can use to host a book club or a discussion uh, with your friends or at your organization about the book. Um, There's a really cool thing coming up, which is that every quarter when we're finished reading the book, we have a live webinar with the author. And so on August 6th, we'll be hanging out with Adrienne Marie Brown, Amita Swadheen, and also Monique Tula, who's one of the contributors in the book, will be joining us from Puerto Rico. Um, And we'll have an interactive hour with them where... Uh, We can ask questions and listen to them elaborate on some of the themes in the book. And you can also submit questions now. So if you're a book club member and you're listening to this, go to patreon.com slash healing justice slash posts and find the post where we ask, what questions do you have for Adrian and Amita and Monique um, for our August 6th virtual hangout? So we'd love to collect your questions, um, and we'd love for you to join Book Club if you're not a member yet. You can join at patreon.com slash healingjustice. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash healingjustice. And even if you haven't read the whole book, it's totally cool. This is a very social take what's useful, leave what isn't kind of book club, not another big uh, burden of a responsibility for you. It's supposed to be a place where we can lean back and take a breath and learn together. And to complete this announcement, I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you about our awesome partner on hosting book club. Their name of their collective is AK Press. And they are offering our book club members a 30% discount on any books you buy from AK Press. But even for our listeners, if you're not a member of book club, 
you can get 15% off if you buy Pleasure Activism or any other book from akpress.org. And the code to get 15% off is podcast. So use that code podcast at akpress.org and support a movement publisher directly. And the day I'm recording this is a prime day strike. And so please join me in divesting your money from Amazon and investing it back into our movement driven institutions that are by us and for us. So thanks for listening. Hope to see you at book club. And even if you don't have the funds to give to join book club and support this project at $10 a month level or above, we would love you to listen to that episode from Adrian, interact with us on social media with your thoughts about the book and uh, order it and read it at that 15% off code. All right, let's dive back in with Samia and EJ. I want to sit here with you in this for a second because our community, so so we did an episode with Adrian Marie Brown a few ago talking about pleasure activism and we're reading pleasure activism in our book club mm. right now. And so like in our Patreon community, people have been interacting a lot around, and actually before we did the interview, it was like, I asked on Instagram, what are people's questions about pleasure? And I think in this case, we could sub the word pleasure for desire. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, the majority of the questions that came in as an underlying theme were basically saying, I'm suspicious of my own pleasure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. That's what they want you to say. If I, <laughs> if I lean into what I actually want, right. I'm not going to be working for liberation anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be sipping a drink mm-hmm. on a beach somewhere yeah. and like, fuck yeah. everybody. You know? right? Like, right? Yeah. And it makes me think about the sugar cubes because mm-hmm. it's like, but what's under that? But what's under that? But what's under that? Mm-hmm. Right? And like... I, it also makes me think about this thing that you're really challenging around, like, the way that we do the work has to be how we want to end up. Mm-hmm. Like, we have to move from love. We can't spend ourselves to someday get to love. Yeah. Like, and I, I mean, I feel that myself big time. Like, even in this project, it's like, even with studying with you all, even trying to train myself out of it, I yeah. keep slipping back into this default assumption that capitalism is really entrenching, which is, like, if I spend myself... If I like, like, if I use myself as a resource, if I completely spend myself, then I'm going to get to this other thing. Yeah. Right. And that's just not true. That's and capitalism. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah. Can yeah. you just like speak to the people a little bit about what does it mean to actually tap into your own desire and how do we know if our desires are going to be responsible to the collective? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like, is it, will it be good? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a yeah. big question. It is a huge question. Well, I mean, I think maybe first and foremost, what I would say, if you have this question, what's worked for me and what's worked for other people that had the same, you know, the same questions come up is to experiment with it. So you don't have to like commit to a whole lifetime of I'm going to listen to what I desire the rest of my life. What if you just gave yourself like three days And just notice, huh, what is it like to move through the world where I'm actually going to listen to my desire and then act on that? And when people people have done that with me and they always come back like, I'm so surprised. I thought I was going to be laying in bed and watching Netflix all day. And instead, like I actually like got my work done or I started my poem because I let myself sleep in and I let myself go here and do this. And they realize that, you know, desire Yes, pleasure is a piece of desire, but desire is ultimately about like our power, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's connected to like what is going to energize you. Mm -hmm. 
What motivates so, you? Yeah. What inspires you? And you'll notice when you're when you do something that you desire, it feels good, but it also energizes you. Like it reconnects you to like your like your power and like mm-hmm. and so that's that's what that's what desire is to me. It's like it's a compass pointing you back to that and it's sure. telling you like that's how you get there, that's how you go back there, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's con- it's like it's a way of like rerouting us back to that mm-hmm. that no. It's your reason. Yeah, it's your and reason so, for being. Yeah, and yeah. it's not something like, you know, you could hear me. I'm sure you've probably read books about it. And so I say, go out and do an experiment and just see for yourself. And then make it short. Like, if three days feels like too much, then give yourself one day and just see what happens. Mm-hmm. And just kind of baby baby step your way through it and just see what, what does shift in your life when you start acting from your desire. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, this comes up often in communities of color in particular mm-hmm. um, because we have been shamed and guilt tripped so deeply and me as an as an immigrant coming here saying you know i had the privilege to be here in so many different ways how dare i yeah how dare i worry about myself Mm. right and there is such deep wounding around that but if what i what i usually say is if you don't know what you want someone else will tell you that's that's capitalism. Mm. So our desire is revolutionary. Yeah. Us knowing what we want is is the key to sovereignty and wanting is desire. Mm-hmm. What do I really really want? And in micro steps more deep not just what the collective wants. What do I want? Mm-hmm. Right? And believing that what I want is what the collective wants and the the thing that you were talking about earlier Kate this the 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 peeling we were talking a little bit about the peelings if your desire doesn't feel like it's moving towards the collective, maybe there's a layer you're peeling off mm-hmm. and you're getting deeper. So we're talking about deep desire. We're not talking about, you know, sugar cube desire. Mm-hmm. So that's where maybe people get caught up. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to want sugar cubes. Well, get underneath the sugar cubes. What do you want? Yeah. I want sweetness. How do you get sweetness? Yeah. If you're not having sex, as my mentor said, <laughs> if you're not, you know, if you're not uh, breathing and living and loving, then how in the hell do you know what that feels like and looks like to create with mm-hmm. and from, right? So you have to, we have to experience these things in an embodied way to be able to work into them and walk into them. You know, because I don't even know what pleasure, if I've never, you know, experienced true desire, <laughs> then how in the hell am I moving towards love and freedom? Yeah, I don't know that, right? I don't know what they even, you know, if the turtle's never eaten honey, you know, when you first have your first bite of something that isn't processed, you know, and you go, and I remember, you know, I'm in different places and I'm like, oh, this is, this is a cucumber. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh my God. You know, this is a cucumber. That's how we need to feel about mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to love eating a freaking cucumber, mm-hmm. you know, and then I'm going to care about the cucumber, mm-hmm. you know, and that's where desire comes in. Oh, because we're selfish. At the end of the day, <laughs> you know, and, and selfishness and selflessness are two extremes of, you know, of, of one of two sides of one coin, you know. And so we have to embrace that part of ourselves and be like, OK, well, if I make this incentive based, you know, and, and it feeds me and it brings me joy, then I'm going to want to do it again and again and again. And that's the inspiration to continuing to do the work, mm-hmm. you know. So um, I, for instance, I love the people I work with. Mm-hmm. We have our issues, but they're my family. 
-hmm. you know, and we're, you know, if desire wasn't in the mix, then I wouldn't really want to come to work every day. You know, I I, yeah. des I desire to work with these people. I am inspired. I am gen like, oh, I've just, I I love it. Yeah. And that's why I want everybody to love like that. Yeah. You know, because, because when you love challenge. like that, you create things that love like that. You yeah. know what I mean? And I think bigger than that, <laughs> you know? too. I mean, well, not bigger than that. But on the same page as that is that it's inevitable that it's going to get challenging. Absolutely. Like, whatever you're up to, there's going to be a point where it's going to get challenging. And you got to get in and underneath. And desire <laughs> is what... Is what allows you to move through the challenge. Right. You know, it's the fuel and it's also the direction mm -hmm. that's saying, okay, we may, when we're disagreeing, perhaps we need to get underneath mm -hmm. and go into the real desire underneath this. Yeah. And when we tap into desire, we find collective answers. Yeah. Right. Because I, at the end of the day, we all want the same thing, mm. you know? But do we investigate it at deeper and deeper levels and real like closely, you know, look at those needs that we have that e really deep, deep needs? Anyway, yeah. you were saying something, EJ. No, I mean, I, I just think like this question you asked about desire, I think for a lot of people it comes from like we don't trust ourselves, you know, and we we haven't been been conditioned or raised to trust ourselves, whether it's from like the way our family systems are set up or the educational systems are set up, like on top of like capitalism. So that message keeps getting reinforced of like you can't be trusted to your own devices. Mm -hmm. And so that's also part of what's really scary is that, you know, because we don't trust ourselves, we're not able to even be willing to begin to investigate our desire. Like we feel mm. like, oh my goodness, I'm going to get sucked in and then veer off path. Right. As opposed to like, well, you can trust yourself enough to think something's your desire and then explore it and be like, oh, actually, no, it doesn't feel good. But we don't right. feel that we'll know. Like we, we feel like, no, like I need someone else to tell me when to stop and when to go and right. how much is enough and <laughs> right. how much of that I'm going to drive this car you know? all the way into a wall, you know, but no, yeah. that's not, you're not yeah. going to do that. You're going to see the wall and you're going to say, oh, okay, let me stop. This desire is leading me to this wall. <laughs> yeah. Let me investigate what's underneath it. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I interrupted you. But, no, um, I'm just saying, like, I mean, that's why it's, it was a very systemic reason why like desires like, was like taken from us, you right. know, and why it's, it's very much like a tool of, of oppression is to disconnect people from, from their, their desire. desire. Yeah. And yeah. so I think that that's also something that is helpful and has been helpful for me to remember as I'm struggling through my relationship with desire is remembering like, wait, what severed this relationship in the first place? Mm -hmm. Like, where did I even learn that? Because I think I wasn't born knowing that. Like, you you can see babies and you can see they're very connected to their desire. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah. And one last thing is um, the entire system of capitalism is predicated on the idea that I get to tell you what your desire is. Mm -hmm. I get to tell you that you need, you know, Paulus Popin for your knees or whatever the hell that I just made up some word, you know, um, and um, and I get to tell you that, you know, and, 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 and look at the most extreme form of oppression. We go into slavery, you know, is the erasure of personal desire. That's really what it is. It's like I get to tell you what to do. You work, you know, for me, under me, through me, you know, and what I want. You know, so an expression of, of, of sovereign desire mm. is the antithesis <laughs> and it is the, the remedy. It is the medicine mm. to capitalism mm. because, you know, and, and when you get a true desire underneath, underneath, again, Paulus Popin, whatever it's like, it's not really about your knees. Maybe it's actually about, 
you know, the fact that you don't get up every morning um, and stretch your legs. I don't know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe what's under, uh, there like are all these different root reasons. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so the investigation in order, like as you're saying, the last or oh, the last piece I want to say for you know we and then, uh, you know, we can start to <laughs> close out if you want. But this the is that as people, as particularly as people of color, and I speak from my experience, and I think it's 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 common across the board, is experimentation, lo- uh, uh, um, play was. Um, was a um, a death Perfect. sentence, yeah. right? For so many generations, so we accept the fact that we cannot we cannot make mistakes. We can't afford to, right? Because yeah. we will be killed, right? And so we're relearning as people of color across the board. And the more marginalized you are, and the more you know, um, 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 you know, intersectionally oppressed you are, or whatever, the harder it is, mm-hmm. um, and also the more um, powerful it is when you come out into that but all that to say is you know that's one of the things we work with is the co-creation with the mystery to bring everything back together why we talk about mystery is that it requires that we understand that we don't know and that we're able to play god forbid we play you know <laughs> you know and this this element of play and 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 and, and that's what's stopping us from investigating our relationship to trust with ourselves is that we can't even experiment because experimenting is what's going to lead us it's into dangerous. the wall. It's mm-hmm. going to kill us. It's going to get us. And it's, it's even, it's so deeply in, ingrained in us as people of color. Again, our responsibilities, our duties and as an immigrant, you know, my family, my, my country, my, you know, all these, I'm carrying the weight of all of that. And I had to work against that and into my desire. And guess what? When I do that, when I work into, into my desire, I'm actually, creating the radical impact that I want with my family, with my community, with my, that's, it's totally opposite of what we're told. Mm. And I always say, question what you're told in generic sense, because oftentimes that's the thing that's going to set you free. Yeah. You know, so if you're being told don't play and don't do this, Mm. question that Mm. because, you know, usually that's at the root of what is going to set you free. Mm. Mm. So it's that big X on the door. Everyone's like, oh, let me grab it. And that's what we said. Someone put a big danger sign on the desire door and said, do not enter. Right? Mm. That's what they did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, behind it is like heaven. You know what I mean? Whatever you want, whatever you think, you know, and it's your access, you know, your yeah. connection to your desire. All that I stuff. love that how you, you talk know? about that too, of desires, like strategy. It know, is. Of us figuring out like how we're going to get to where we're going. Right. And so... Um, when you know nothing at all, like get into like an Octavia Butler scenario, you know, you know nothing at all, the, the, the place you're going to go is within. And that's going to tell you and it's your desire that's going to guide you in terms of the next immediate step. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if that makes any sense, but yeah, mm-hmm. you were saying something, mm-hmm. EJ, sorry. Um, what was I saying? No, I mean, I think it just comes back to like when we're talking about how do we want to show up with each other in our organizations and the groups that we're part of that, you know, we often think about desire as like, oh, it's gonna mean I'm gonna eat ice cream or, you know, go lay in the beach and not wanna do anything. But we don't talk about the inklings of desire that come up when we're sitting in meeting spaces or when we're having conversations. Mm -hmm. And like that desire is also what like informs of when, you know, 
part of how you can get to your desire, it doesn't always speak to you with like, this is what I want. Sometimes it speaks to you with like, this is what I don't want, you know? And so us also being able to listen to that as it shows up in our spaces when we're with each other, redirects us back to like, okay, well, what do I want instead? Okay, so then how how can I bring that into this space and into this conversation? Mm -hmm. Because that's what like, that's why it's, it's gonna take a community of us to figure out like, how we're gonna like create the world that we want because we each have different pieces of the puzzle to contribute. Right. And when we deny our desire, we're also denying those answers to come forward, like that contribution to come forward. Yeah. Mm. So that's also part of what our desire brings to us in letting us know what we don't work or letting us know mm. what doesn't sit right with us or what was said that mm, didn't like land right. Mm. Like that is also another way desire speaks to us to let us know like, wait, there's something missing in the conversation that you need to bring forward. And, and it's, it's your like, job. It's, yeah, yeah, it's like yours. Like realizing it's yours to do, yeah. you know? And so. Yeah, yeah. just to kind of one last thing around power. So I think it's the source desire. Being in tune with our desire is our is is being in tune with our, with our power. You know, so when we set up power dynamics where we defer desire to somebody else, mm -hmm. you know, then that's also, that's also, you know, um, I'd say abusive. Mm -hmm. Right. So there, there are two, there are two people working. There are two, you know, multiple energies, a complex system of energies. But imagine you have two people, and one person is deferring to the other. They're both wrong, mm -hmm. you know. But oftentimes we're blaming the person that you know is taking the lead, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a there's a responsibility for both human beings to be in their power and to yeah. be in their desire yeah. and to be able to sit in the difference of whatever it is that we think. <laughs> Again, we were just talking about that earlier, but that kind of power. It requires all, you know, per the participation of all of us, you know. Yeah, in, in all the, parts the, of know, us. Like we exactly. have to bring our whole selves to those kind of conversations. Right, right. And part of our whole self is our desire and like what it's saying to us. Right. And we can't think that, oh, I'm going to deny my desire and deny myself. And then, well, then you're not bringing your whole self to the table. And then we're all, we're all going to miss out because of that. Mm. Yeah. 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 I want to say hey to the people who are listening who have come up with a bunch of reasons in their head as to why they are not the ones that you're speaking to right now. <laughs> um, because I think when you talk about like that do not enter door on desire, yeah. like there's depending on your politic and the culture that you're operating in, it says different things on it, right? Mm -hmm. Like in dominant culture, there's like a big sign for white people that just says like your sugar cube level desire deserves to be fulfilled at the expense of everything mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. but in radical culture and anti-racist culture like for very very good reasons people have all different varying kinds of privileges of which everybody has some identity of privilege in yeah. some area right like I think, and literally what's come up around pleasure activism is I've had people write in and are like, well, because I'm white, like, this isn't for me. Uh, yeah. Or because yeah. I'm a cis man, this, she's not talking to me. She's talking right. about, like, women of color and queer people of color getting to access pleasure. I don't get to access, like, my right. pleasure time is over. Right. I need to do this work to make up for all of these sins of right. all these generations, right? Right, right, right. And I do think there's, A, like, Good awareness. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Good job. <laughs> B, B yeah. like, I also feel very concerned about the ways in which, like, we have a bunch of anti-racist white people walking around or a bunch of feminist men or a bunch of, you know, disability justice committed able-bodied people or whatever it is that are doing 
backflips and contortions yes. in our heads about how like we're not the ones who need to connect because that still is a different yes. it's a different framework and explanation of why we should be suspicious of our own inherent desire Absolutely. and yeah. we got a bunch of disembodied disconnected people walking around exactly. trying to do anti-racism work, exactly you know I mean? yeah so like but it's also a different it's a different recovery process too yes, and so absolutely. i'm wondering if you would just speak to for folks who said like oh this isn't for me gotcha yeah. like is it uh-huh. <laughs> and if so how mm-hmm. yeah. i love especially cis white men that bring that question to me because it's always that's that's the place where it's the hardest you know mm-hmm. <laughs> um and the first thing I say is absolutely for you, mm-hmm. you know, um, because of the statement we were making earlier about working from love rather for love. Because in, in reality, when you disembody and you don't access your personal desire, you're going to oppress. Yeah, it's more likely for you to get those like reactive condition ways of right. like, being. Mm. Yeah, right. And 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 your your you're you're controlling your environment rather than tapping into the emergent power that you have right and that's the i think <laughs> i think we need to you know distinguish desire from um you know responses that are feeding like the sugar that's feeding the cancer or the the right yes so healing in relationship with desire and tandem with desire so yeah mm-hmm. someone can say oh hey i have the desire to take up some guns and shoot up at, right yeah it's really violent that's not <laughs> that's a different kind of desire you know that's not the that's not the desire we're talking about so it has to come it has to be the desire that's driving you to heal first and foremost so if you're a cis white man you absolutely nothing but heal you might save us all you know <laughs> you know by doing that you know because you know those infrastructures need to you know we're doing that work you know for ourselves in so many ways but i think we have to become discerning we can't just say oh yeah any desire that comes up is like the desire that i have to follow you know let me go see you i'm gonna buy some guns and see what i'm gonna do that's terrible you know but um understanding that um that there is that that true desires pointing towards your self and collective healing that's where so how do we connect those two things together mm-hmm. and um how do we let desire guide us on the journey of healing mm-hmm. that's the i would say in terms of the the because <laughs> it's like you you can't if if we're going to recreate a system where somebody doesn't tap into desire we're doing we're we're just recreating the same system well, with different people not tapping into that mm-hmm. you know and that's that's not okay it's not going to work mm-hmm. you know because that that's taking away from that doesn't mean that what what that doesn't mean is that you you know you don't do your healing work that's yeah. what we're just saying you know so mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that you don't <laughs> you don't investigate yeah. the underneath 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 your desire whatever yeah. that is that's the thing so if you're ready to do that work then use desire as your compass to walk through that you know and investigate and make mistakes you know but um, and i think yeah. it's like speaking to that it's about also um 
what's the container you're going to create for yourself to do that work, knowing that the the concerns that you're bringing into like the the um, the relationship, like wanting to explore your relationship with desire. So then, OK, then you need to create a container for yourself where it is going to be safe to do that, yeah. where you are going to surround yourself with people who will question or like point mm -hmm. out or like tell you the truth. And it's also realizing that unintentionally not investigating your desire is contributing to the problem at hand. Mm -hmm. And in the sense that there's like there are layers that we all need to peel. And so you're not doing your work of peeling when you're not investigating your relationship with desire mm. and also being OK with like, yeah, sometimes the desires that are going to come up are going to be messed up and they're <laughs> going to be sugar cube. And, yeah. You know, but like, do you have a, a are you in, a, in an ecosystem? Are you part of a community that's going to support you with that peeling of that layer? Because if you're not doing that, then that layer isn't going to peel and it's just going to be there. It's going to be there and suppressed, but it's still going to be there. Mm -hmm. So realizing that. Yeah. And so. So that's what you're unintentionally signing up to do when you're saying like, no, this doesn't apply to me. Really is you're like, being driven by the subconscious desire that you may not even know. Yeah. Instead mm -hmm. of getting in tune yeah. with it and being able to work Word, with it. Right. You because know? even the suspicion of it is like the assumption that you can put it away. Right. Yeah. 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 It's like, you cannot. It's driving everything. So you might as well it's become, you know, its yeah. best friend. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and if it has yeah. holes in it and it, it's and it's. And it's built around, you know, the, the body is like that too. You know, if I'm addicted to sugar, I'm addicted to sugar. And I'm going to quote unquote desire that sugar, right? So I, there is a mental awareness that has to be, you know, we can't just, you know, uh, just, you know, across the board have, you know, assume that every little desire is, is that, that desire with a capital D, mm -hmm. right? But um, one of the you things you can't think your way through it. Like right. you need to. It's like an embodied knowing, and so you need to experience yeah. it. You need to dip your toes in. You need yeah. to actually like mm -hmm. figure it out. And oh. that is that's that's what's actually guiding you. That's what's going to guide you through your healing and growth process. You know. Yeah. And so yeah. So the way that we do that is through practice, mm, right? Yes. And so I would love to hear, thank God that you all are offering us a practice to work with this because we're like, where do I sign up? Like, how do I do it? Um, so what can we expect from the practice episode? Uh-huh. Well, so we talked a little bit about the three pieces, the three core pieces that, that our framework is developed around. And... Uh, the first piece is what we call anchoring in your radical purpose, which is really at the core anchoring in your deep, deep desire, your deep yeah. why, your deep reason for being here. And so um, the other two are fire and flow, you know, your inspiration and your the structures that maintain, you know, your connection to that. So that's what E.G. was talking about earlier. You, you know, we see those three, the interplay of these three things together um, as from, you know, as as aligning and realigning with desire and bringing us closer and closer to our, our purest form of desire you know and so what we're going to do in the practice session is do the tip of the tip of the iceberg of one of our frameworks called the radical purpose compass you know work which connects you at the core with what we call an essence statement and the the system is built in, into three parts but we're just going to do one part which is the core which is the desire piece a deep desire piece mm -hmm. Uh, where you come up with an essence statement that reflects your deepest desire. Mm. And that will give you that, you know, the first, it'll peel off the first few layers of sugar cube <laughs> desire and get into underneath 
where it is and then from there it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper but we'll start with an exercise like that mm-hmm. you know we have a little uh, you know sequence of things that we we run people through to get to that statement and it's often a, a life-changing exercise for most folks even though it's just a sentence yeah you know that yeah. they come up with at the end but they realize oh my goodness that is what i want yeah you know and that kind of wanting is as i said and the dangerous. clarity and the naming of it yeah yeah yeah. It's dangerous. It's inspired. I'm getting chills because mm-hmm. when I see people in their wanting, in their in that 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 desire, I'm like, okay, we're free. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's like when you get clear about your essence statement, it is a reminder of like how valuable you are just by being you, not by what you're doing, you know. And it is that like re-anchoring into, you know, why you're here and like your power and your 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 value. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I mean the the second piece where we're going to close out is just like a little bit of the the flow work with like once we get clear about the why then it's like okay wait how am I going to remember this tomorrow when I wake up <laughs> or when I'm in a meeting and things get hard. And so um so yeah so I'm going to add a little piece about that about thinking about because it is a practice it's not just like oh I come up with my radical purpose and I'm done. Yeah. So we talk about okay how do you keep like re-anchoring yourself in it and letting the layers peel. Yeah. Yes. And it is just like the first body yeah. because we have like yeah. You know, the yeah. masks you wear and the activities you perform, all of that stuff. So it gets more and more, as as we say in turtle tank, material, mm-hmm. you know. But what we're going to start with first is where people struggle with the most is that yeah. that deep desire essence yeah. place, Great. you know, connecting with that. So mm-hmm. Thank you. That's amazing. And um, for folks who want to find out just the brief version of for folks who want to find out how to work with you more or what else you're up to in the world, will you share with us where they can find you? Yes, they can find us at turtletank.co. And we have a new offering really excited about um, called the Radical Purpose Deep Dive. It's a digital course, so it's self-paced. And um, we've added live sessions to that because we know that, you know, we want people to, it's not just enough to kind of do work on your own. We know that part of what really emerges out of the collective space are like that deepening of the, of the learning that happens. So we yeah. have, we're going to have live sessions connected to that. Yeah. So people get to interact with us, interact with the community. Mm-hmm. And included in that, we put in a bonus around what it means to be a sovereign learner. Like what it means to really own your power as a student and going into learning spaces and really kind of like address some of the wounds that we carry around learning and around how we feel like we need to know and it's not okay to make a mistake. So we have people talk through that to get really clear about why they want to sign up for the course and then how they're actually going to support themselves Mm. with with getting the learning they want. Yeah. And so Age is working on something particularly for um, black women and queer black folks. Um, that's going to be coming out in the next couple of months. I don't know exactly when, uh, but it's an exclusive space. And um, and there are so many other things. I'm working on a series called Healing the Disease of Aloneness. There's a bunch of stuff happening that is you know, changing in Turtle Tank as well. The thread that pulls all our work together is like, how how can we support ourselves and center our well-being as we're doing this work Um yeah. And, and the work of our well-being is the work. Yeah, right? exactly. That's yeah. <laughs> how are connected. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you all so much. I mean, I'll say it's just a total honor to get to create this with you because I've experienced you both as teachers and you're incredible teachers. Thank you. And it's clear that you are actually embodying the things you're talking about. Yeah. Um, it's hard. <laughs> I can only aspire to begin. So, yeah, thank um, you. Yeah, thanks for being here, y'all. Thank you so much for having us here as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Enormous thank you to Samia Abu Samra and EJ Ule of Turtle Tank. You can download the corresponding practice that they offer next week. It's called Rooting in Desire. 
I love this one. I did it as part of their incubator program at Turtle Tank. And it's an exercise that actually walks you through. Um, it's a really deep and somewhat complex exercise actually with, with different steps and really deep questions that lead you through an exploration of um, finding your core desire and building your work and your, and your purpose statement from there. So you can subscribe or follow the podcast on whatever platform you're listening now and sign up for our email list at healingjustice.org to make sure you don't miss that practice. And also when you sign up on our email list at healingjustice.org, you will get um, access to a PDF of a really cool zine about the lineage of healing justice that you can print and fold and give away in your community yourself. If this episode has really sparked something for you and you know it's just the tip of the iceberg and you want to do more learning with Samyan EJ, I want to highly recommend their programs as somebody who's gone through it. And the way that they're running their programs right now is that they have this radical purpose deep dive that is a prerequisite course in order to be able to apply to be part of their incubator, which is the program that I did. So it's their entry-level digital course, and it guides you to create a tool for accessing more clear direction and for making decisions that you trust that are effective and impactful. So it encompasses some of what they're going to share next week around really surfacing deep-rooted desires and forgotten dreams. It helps you reveal root challenges and the most effective path through them. It's inspiring creative imagination and new ideas, helps you identify your role and looking for right relationships and best strategies. And so at the end, this course is really designed to help support people to find clearer direction on their journey for the best first micro steps that you can take in the creation or continuation or transformation of your current project or your current work so that you can have the most impact. So this course is amazing. Um, you can find out more about it at tinyurl.com slash radical purpose or at the link in the show notes. One more time, that's tinyurl.com slash radical purpose. And when you join, tell them that we sent you from the podcast. The links are all in the show notes that we've been talking about. You can find our email list and social media there. Stay in touch with us and please help us keep making this resource accessible for free to over 10,000 people every week by supporting us on Patreon, patreon.com slash healing justice. This episode was graciously edited, mixed and produced by Zach Meyer at The Coal Room. And thank you for listening and engaging with us around transforming the way that you work. Um, we are so excited to see the fruits of the way that you be and the work that you create when leaning into these principles. Hear you next week.